How many of you ever asked yourself, why won't Jesus change my life? You ever asked Jesus that question? You ever asked that into your own life? You know, um, many people, they're running out of fuel. They run out of energy. They run out of gas. Uh, They know that the abundant life that Jesus Christ said that we can have is somewhere. They just can't locate it. And, you know, they've they've heard Jesus make the promises through the word of the Lord of unspeakable joy and peace that surpasses our understanding and the power of God and the victory in Christ that we are supposed to have. And they've seen it in others. They've just not experienced it for themselves. And it's not that they don't believe it. They just don't know where, where they can find it. They don't know that uh, they still have the handcuffs of flesh around them. And they don't know that they can be unstrapped from that. They long for a spiritual freedom bound by a sea of religious activity. They're devoted to Christ. They perform well only to discover that they are weaker. Why won't Christ Jesus change my life? And I want to tell you from the outset today of today's message, Jesus did not come to just change your life. He came to exchange your life. He came to exchange your life. And we're going to look at a very powerful portion of Scripture. And if you'll turn with me in the New Testament to Galatians chapter 2. And I want to talk to you today about four things in this verse alone of Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 that if you will allow it, will change your life. It will change your life day in and day out. In Galatians 2 verse 20, you've heard it before, but this is a higher power verse. And it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself me. I want to talk to you today about an exchanged life. Now, it doesn't matter whether you're just a new believer, maybe you just came to Christ on Easter, or you've been in Christ Jesus a whole long time, that you have to know that there is a switch that needs to take place. I want to dismantle for you many false views of what it means to live the Christian life. Many of us are not going anywhere, not because we don't want to, but it is because we are in the wrong vehicle trying to get there. The exchange life involves four things in this portion of Scripture, so if you're taking notes, I'm going to pull back this mic here so that over here I can see you a little better, because I know you're over here and I can see you all. So, The exchange life involves four things. Number one, our union with Christ involves a crucifixion according to this verse. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, or to put it another way, I am a dead person walking. I'm a dead man walking. And the context of this is very interesting. Peter has been sitting down with the Gentiles, beginning in verse 11 of this chapter, when some of his old friends come and see that he is fraternizing across the railroad tracks. He's hanging out with folks that are unacceptable to the crowd that he grew up in. And Peter gets up, he leaves the Gentiles and goes with his Jewish friends and to not even upset his own people, he does this and he goes with them. And 
The Apostle Paul sees this take place as you read it in this chapter. He sees what Peter is doing and he confronts Peter and says, how dare you embarrass the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. At the heart of this, Peter, the Jewish leader, switched identities midstream. One moment he's functioning as a Christ follower, the next he's functioning as a coward against the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what he suggests to Peter is you are confused about who you are. That is an identity problem. It's not seen in your life what you know to be true in your heart. It's like someone driving down the center lane. I saw somebody this week drive down the center lane of a two-way street. How many of you know what that does is throw everybody off? And if that's you, I'm going to pray for your driving skills, okay? But when somebody's driving down the center lane of their life spiritually, they are going to throw both sides off. And that is what's taking place right here in Galatians 2. Peter has an identity problem, and he has lost sight of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the fact that once he meets Christ, he is a dead man walking, that he is to make every day of his life as we are a memorial day. On Memorial Day, you you and I are to go to the graveyard of a loved one, and you remember that loved one and what they meant to you. You take flowers, you put them down by remembrance on the tombstone as a remembrance, as a memorial of a death that occurred. What he says is we must come to terms with our own death, and we must say to the person that we used to be before Christ, rest in peace. That you are not the person that you used to be, That old you was crucified. Notice the tense of this this passage. I have been crucified is a past act with abiding implications. That it just didn't stop way back there when you died, but this now has abiding implications as you and I move forward in our life in Jesus Christ. If you and I are going to have an exchange life, you've got to give up one life in order to get another life, but you can't have a twin life. If you're with me, say yes. There are many people living a twin life in Jesus. They're living two different people at the same time, and it is throwing everybody off. And so it says, you know, inside of here, this is what Paul is telling him. Hey, you need to stop doing this because you have been crucified with the Lord Jesus Christ. You used to be that way. Now you are a new person. And so it has abiding implications. And you and I must recognize as we've accepted Christ, a Christian, that means the death of who you used to be. I've been crucified. And some say, well, I don't feel like I've been crucified. Dead people don't feel dead either. Are you with me? You are crucified because God says you're crucified. What Christ wants you to know is that while your five senses don't make you feel alive, you need to grab a hold of the sixth sense that says you're a dead person walking. You are not alive anymore in terms of who you were before you met Christ. You are now somebody else. That's why Paul gloried in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves the cross, not just what it meant, but what it paid for inside of him and that his old life is now gone. 
That's the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the beauty of the cross. The cross is not just something that happened 2,000 years ago only to Jesus when he hung on the cross. The cross is what happens today in your life because you died with him. That's why you have been crucified. And I want to let you know very quickly here, crucifixion means this. You identify with the shame of the cross You identify with the suffering of the cross, and you identify with the sacrifice of the cross. And you and I need to carry that with us every single day of our life. Amen? You identify with those three things. On August 1st, 1831, Jamaican slaves were set free. The day before, July 31st, they called this big meeting, and the slaves gathered together to celebrate their freedom. A few of the men took their shovels and dug a large pit, and they opened up coffins. They took their shackles, the shackles of slavery, and they threw them back into the coffins. They placed the coffins in the ground, and they put dirt back over the coffins to celebrate the fact that they were no longer under the shackles of the old regime. Now, I'm sure you would agree that they would be foolish to dig back up the old shackles as though they were still in slavery. They not only had to remove the shackles from their hands, but also from their minds. Because if somebody sets you free, but you don't think you're free, you are still a slave. I am dead with Christ. Can you say that with me? I am dead with Christ. And I understand it goes beyond a statement. But that's died, dead, that's tombstone, rock hard dead now, right? They were placed at that moment in spiritual union with Christ. If we forget that we're going to spend time in in, in this old cemetery, if all we do is keep bringing up our old way of life, all we're going to do is stay in the old cemetery digging up old bones. Jesus Christ has set us free. Satan still keeps the shackles on our minds, doesn't he? So we live like dead people, even though we are set free by the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. But in order to have an exchange, you must recognize you are a dead person walking every day. Secondly, we must recognize our union with Christ. Because he says, since he's died, it's no longer I who lives because I died. It's no longer me living now. Then who is living? Well, Christ lives in me. It's a flip. It's a switch, an exchange. I died, and I died with Christ. When I place my faith in the finished work of Jesus, and he died, he connected me with his death, so I died too. So if you are a believer, and you have crucified the old nature, if you are still gossiping today about other people, you're not dead yet. If you're still lying, you're not dead yet. If you're still trying to get your old way and your old way of thinking and you want to live that way, you are not dead yet. If you are still living an immoral life and you say you're a believer, the Bible says you are not dead yet. There's a lot of you still alive. The death of Jesus Christ does not come and destroy you as a person. It gives you a new personhood. When you came to Jesus, an eviction notice has taken place. It was served. It was served. Jesus Christ said to our old man, that old rebellious person, we used to be before Christ, get out because you died, because I don't want rigor mortis stinging up this place. When I met Kristen and we first started going out, 
we, um, she used to work in the hospital across from uh, North Central, the Bible College in Minneapolis. And she worked in the basement in the mailroom there uh, for a number of years. And uh, then when I met her, I got a job in another part of the hospital. And um, I would go down and see her about every day that I could because I loved her so very much. I'd go on breaks, I'd go on lunch and all of those things. And I'd just, I'd pick up the phone and say, hey, uh, are you available to go on break or do lunch or whatever? And so the one day I called down there, I was going to go down to see her, but I wanted to make sure she was there because she worked in the mailroom, delivered mail throughout the hospital. And the one day I called down there, I said, hey, I want to come down and meet you for lunch. She goes, don't come down here today. I said, really? Why? She goes, you're not going to like it. I said, well, what took place? Well, she says, you know, our mailroom is right next to the overflow morgue. And they, they didn't realize that the overflow morgue lost power. And by the time they caught up with it, the aroma was in the air. So all through the basement of the hospital in Hennepin County Medical Center, it smelled for quite a while. There is nothing quite like the smell of death. Jesus said, I came and I came to give you an eviction notice of your old rebellious ways. When I come into your life, the stinking lies, gossip, and junk in your life needs to go because this is an eviction notice. Eviction happens to remove the old resident to get a new resident in. You might say, well, you don't understand. I have all these problems well, well you got to understand, because a new resident has come in, that old frame, the old flesh, that body has been contaminated by sin's power. And sin masters us in many ways. And we talk about addictions, and some people only think about drugs and alcohol, but it goes way beyond that and sin. It comes in all, all different ways because it comes to highlight the worst in us. But every good team watches footage of the team they're about to take on to see what they can do better. And they also study their opponent. Satan studies your game plan. He studies your drives, and he studies your pat patterns every single day. He does that for every single one of us. He comes and studies it because he wants to come and defeat us. He wants to come and make us feel less than all that God has called us to be. The flesh, you know, Colossians 3.3, 3, we need to maintain a personal spiritual discipline to keep the old life in subjection. And Colossians 3.3 3 says, you died. Does that sound like an option? No, it says you died, now life is now, your life is now hidden in Jesus Christ. Verse 5, to put to death your members of fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness. He said you died, and what you need to know inside of this is your life is now hidden in Jesus Christ. That's a great thing. What happens is sin keeps a low profile in our life by injecting thoughts into your mind so we think it's our own thoughts. How many of you are with me? Sin tells you you are ugly. I can't handle this life one more moment. I am never going to be anybody. I have to have sex with somebody outside of my marriage. I want to go do this. Paul says, when I think like that, it's not me because my new nature does not have those thoughts. The reason why you still have those problems or those desires that don't please God or habits that 
you just can't seem to get away from. It's because of the contaminated frame. And there you have to understand, Jesus said, there's a new you that now lives in you. It may not be how you feel. It may be totally opposite to how you feel. You're like an old car that has been placed inside of it, a new motor. When you look at that vehicle, it is the same old vehicle, but what happens in Christ, there's a new life source within it. A new motor, when you have a new motor, you don't have to be concerned about changing spark plugs all the time, connecting wires that you don't understand, you didn't even knowing about the whole new motor. Many are trying to change their Christian lives by changing spark plugs on Monday, checking the connections, their battery on Tuesday, doing this on Wednesday, working on the gas line on Friday, replacing the belt on Saturday when a new motor has taken care of all of this. What he is saying to us is Christ is now living on the inside of you, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 10. We're always carrying around in our body the death of Jesus, so that what? It says, so that the life of Jesus may come forward and be revealed in us. So that's Jesus in me. That's Jesus through me. Ever heard of a wolf in sheep's clothing? Every single one of us have. That means a sheep has died and a wolf has come and draped itself with the covering of the sheep so that it looks like sheep even though in its core it's a wolf. When Christ comes into your life, he becomes Christ in human clothing. God allows Christ to be draped with your and my humanity. You know, it's like the bottom of the ocean, as you see the bottom of the ocean, you think about that, you see snails, and snails have this shell, when the, when the snail dies, it removes itself, it goes out of the shell, and uh, you still have the, the tide, and underneath the current in the bottom of the ocean, the shell moves around and keeps flowing, but the snail has died, but the hermit crab comes and finds its new life inside of that shell. See, see, it's inside of that that there is a new life that comes into this shell that once was inhabited. Jesus has come and inhabited your new life. You've got a new life in an old shell. It's, a, it's an issue of life. That's why Colossians 3 says Christ is your life. Jesus is not just in your life. He is your life. Amen. He is your life. I have Christ in me. Well, that's not enough. How come a Christian can have Christ in him and be defeated 24-7 and another Christian in them, they are victorious 24-7? What's the difference? Because Christ is in the both of them. Well, one, Christ is in their life. Two, Christ is their life. Christ expresses himself in you and me. He wants to. When I want to talk Christ talks. When I want to move, Christ moves. When I want to act, Christ acts. When I want to think, Christ thinks. Who is this Christ who lives in me? He is the eternal Son of God who is also total man who lives in me. A switch has occurred, and that's why Paul can say in Colossians 2 that in Jesus you are complete. It is only through Jesus that you and I are absolutely complete. You may say, I am so powerless. I am powerless. Listen, I like those truck commercials. How about you? You know, ram tough. 
Ford, Chevy, Toyota, whatever your flavor is. You see that. And they're on their t- and TV showing a commercial. It's a, it's a commercial. It's their towing ability of a truck. Oh, raw power, yes. They always show you the truck pulling something up a hill. Whether it's a boat or trailer or something else, it pulls it up the hill. Do you know the thing that it is pulling is doing nothing but enjoying the ride? You've never seen a boat hitched onto a truck struggling to climb a hill, right? Why? Because the power for the tow is located under the hood of the truck. And all you have to do is hook onto it. The power for your Christian life is not in you. You are the boat. I want to remind you of that. The power for your Christian life is under Christ, and that power is under the hood. In Christ, he is in you. It is the hope of glory. Can somebody say an amen because you're just too quiet about this experience today? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is this? It's experience through expectation. He says, the life which I now live in the flesh, in this body, contaminated by sin, I live by faith in the Son of God. The expectation was that he understood this. In order to activate this life, it's only activated by faith. It's not activated by grunting, groaning, or by prayer itself per se. It's activated by faith. Amen? Now, what do I mean by faith? I simply mean you're acting like God is telling the truth. That you can operate by faith regardless of how you feel. Feelings have no necessary relationship to your faith in God. Because faith is dealing with your feet, not your feel. Are you with me now? Faith is dealing with your feet not your feel. We live in a world that believes it's operated by our feel, not our feet. So we'll sit there and gab, 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 yum, 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 mana, mana, all over again. But Jesus says, you want to know where your faith is, that's where your feet are going. It is not about your feel at this point. Most people I know don't feel dead. And am I telling the truth? I have married many couples and witnessed many couples being married. One or both, after it's over, says this. I don't feel any different. And I say, irrelevant. (laughs) I don't care how you feel. That is not a relevant statement now that we went through this ceremony. Because whether you feel different or not, a union has occurred. Do you know why you're married? Because I said so. (laughs) I don't have much power, but at that moment, I got a lot of power. By the authority vested in me, by the state of Virginia, I now pronounce you man and wife. I don't feel that way. I don't care. (laughs) It's irrelevant. Sorry, this is what you wanted. It's a mute point to me. It's a mute point to God. So I say that I now pronounce you. I mean, I don't have much power, but at that moment, I got power. It goes beyond emotions. Faith does not deny emotions, but faith is like the engine of a train feeling like it's the caboose. And there are many Christians in Christ running their life like the caboose is running the head car. 
And no wonder why we're in the predicament that we're in. So something is supposed to be dragging the feelings. The feelings should not be dragging the faith. Right? He says, the way I live in my Christian life is by faith, the Son of God. Not faith in me, not faith in the preacher. All of them have their place. But my confidence where I'm banking my bottom dollar on is the Son of God. You know, Jesus did not leave us without practical illustration of this. This is how he lived his whole life. All through the gospel, he says, you know, this is, I'm not doing this on my own initiative. You remember Jesus saying that? I'm not here doing this all on my, on my own. No, I'm doing what the Father said I should do. And he has given me the power to do this. So, so he's asking us as humanity to do the same thing. Jesus led by example. Number three, the changed life is experienced when you ask by faith Christ to do in you what you know needs to be done through you. Lord, I cannot love this person. My flesh has already rejected this person. Am I speaking? Am I spitting truth today? But Jesus, you love this person. You care about this person, and you have forgiven this person. Since I cannot receive this person, I give you permission right now for you to express your love for this person through me. God, you can use this shell to express yourself. It is where you operate in faith, and and you give the Son of God permission and be the Son of God through you. That is leaning on his ability and not your own ability. And and at first it seems a little awkward, but this really is a walk of faith that you're, you're going to have to get used to living by faith. Lord, right now, I want to take this pill that I am addicted to. I want to sleep with that person that I should not. Right now, my flesh is begging for it because my flesh has been used to it for so long. But, but I know that you are not in the drugs, and I know that you are not in the immoral lifestyle. I know that's not the Son of God living inside of me, but I can't lie, Jesus. My body is burning for this. That's a very real statement. You give Jesus the right to express his peace through you, his control through you, his calm through you by faith because Christ has come and clothed your life. God doesn't want us to live independent of him. No, it is giving him control that our life would be synced up with him. That God says, give me your hand and let me move it. Your legs, let me walk. Your mouth, let me talk. Give me your brain, let me think through it. The vehicle through you is through Jesus Christ is a supernatural way of living. And you have got to act in line with what you know to be true. You have to act in line with what you know to be true. Remember, it's about your feet, not your feel. Because the feelings will always lead us astray. But we do think at first they're going to lead us to great places, but they don't. But he says, faith in me and act and walk that way. Finally, he comes and he says the last portion of this verse. Finally, the motivation is love. 
He says, I live by faith in the Son of God, and let me tell you a little bit about him, who loved me and delivered himself for me. He loved me, he loved me, he loved me and delivered himself for me. Jesus gave his life to us so that he could live his life through us. If Christ loved me enough to give me his life, then he loves me enough to express his life to other people. The motivation is love, and we see in Romans 5.10, he says that we are delivered by the life of Christ, not just by the death of Christ. Hebrews 10, we are sanctified, we are set apart, we are liberated victoriously by his body, saved by his life, delivered by his blood. Paul understood this. We see what happened on the cross. Yes, Jesus paid the penalty that our sins will never be brought up in heaven because his payment is eternally sufficient. He wants to be your life. He is the definition of our very existence, and that is when his power will burst through with spiritual victory. His perfect life, that he lived for 33 years. The victory is he loves you. His blood gets you to heaven. His body puts you in heaven. He got it. Through Jesus Christ wants to express himself through you, through you today. He knows that you and I are weak. He didn't die to get your help. Amen? He died for you to be freed up in him. You say, I can't. I, I'm not even qualified. No, you're the prime candidate for his glory to pour through you. I, Jesus is saying, I know you can't. I can't feel sorry for you and you can't feel sorry for me if you've got a power plant living on the inside of you. You need to connect up to Jesus today and find the power that can get you through your life and cause you to live a life that is exchanged through Jesus Christ. It is an exchange. Some are just looking for a changed life. Jesus said, I've come to exchange my life with you and to give you a new life in me. And so the only way that we are going to live and exchange life with Jesus Christ is that you're going to have to tell your old nature to rest in peace. And it is then that Christ will come and live through you. And that old life can rest in peace. You can bury it. It can be done. Oh, I understand there's consequences for sin. Every person in here has paid those consequences. You may be in the midst of those, but God offers us something even up and above that. That is his grace and his mercy that comes and floods our soul no matter what we have done or what we are experiencing today. You and I can live the exchange life, but we got to tell the old life, it's time to rest in peace. It's time to grow up. It's time to mature now. Come on, it's time to stop talking about other people behind their back. Come on, it's time to stop living an immoral life, sleeping with somebody else that you shouldn't be sleeping with. Come on. Come on, it's time for those old thoughts to die. Come on, that's maturity. Come on, it's time to live for Jesus. It's time for you to start living a generous life. Come on, that old, that old way, it's got to die. That stingy life, that rebellious old you has got to die. Come on now. Jesus wants to be resurrected. That thing's got to go. And you got to say, it's time, old life, to rest in peace today. 
because there's a new me that's about ready to burst forth in victory in Jesus' name. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can exchange our life for a new life in you. That it involves a crucifixion. It is a co-crucifixion. Yes, you die. You're not calling us to go to a cross and getting nails in our hands and our feet and our flesh being torn apart by a whip or a spear in our side, but you are calling us today to recognize our union with you and that we would die to the rebellious nature that wants to come alive every single moment. And that when we do that, Colossians says that our life is now hidden with you, that he is, he is now our new life. He is, he is coming forth to birth forth in victory. That it is an action by faith today that we take, not by what we feel, but Lord, the motivation that you have for us is love. So as you and I are here in this moment of prayer, would you respond to the Lord by faith today to say that there is something in your life that needs to die right now and you need to crucify it? And you need to die to it so that you can live. If God is speaking to your heart about anything, anything, whatever it may be, can I just see your hand here? Come on, can I see your hands? Can I get honesty from the body? Thank you. Father, I thank you right now that as we come, we crucify the flesh. That, Lord, we lay it down so that you will live through us. Help us to mature in you. Help us to die, Lord. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our rebellious ways. Thank you for living through us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand to our feet. So we leave here changed today because of God's word. We come knowing that we are sinners in need of his grace and his mercy. But, but this is what the cross is all about. Not only delivering from sin, but it's giving new life. And that's why you and I have the royal blood of Jesus running through our veins. Amen. So live exchanged. Amen. This week. And let's go out of here victorious. And let's worship the Lord this week. And let's tell other people that they can live an exchange life, that they don't need to live in their stinking ways, their stinking thinking any longer, in the ways that they used to do things, because there's a new life that wants to burst forth within them. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you and have a wonderful week in Christ.